0: The teachings of General Conference are the considerations the Lord would have before us now and in the months ahead. Our marching orders for each six months are found in the General Conference addresses. For the next six months, your conference edition of the Ensign should stand next to your standard works and be referred to frequently.
1: I encourage you to read the talks once again
0: and to ponder the messages contained therein. I exhort you to study the messages of this conference frequently, even repeatedly, during the next six months. You're listening to the Conference Talk Podcast, where it's conference weekend every weekend. Each weekend we discuss talks from the most recent General Conference of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints.
1: That's right, we'll share some insights, make some connections, and have a bit of fun as we study the words of the awesome men and women that God has called to direct His church in these the latter days. I'm Matthew Watkins,
0: and I'm Michael Young. This episode, we're talking about Dieter F. Uchtdorf's address: "Jesus Christ is the strength of youth."
1: Yes, we are. How did you enjoy the talk?
0: Yeah, it was it was great. Um, I, I always love Elder Uchtdorf. He's very well spoken, plain spoken. Like you, you can really understand him well, but he also has like cool. And, uh, you know analogies and you know, for being a a non-native english speaker he sure has mastered the english language quite well i feel like he's very witty yes pithy.
1: He, he certainly has yeah i really love his he makes a lot of literary analogies almost yeah. as much as holland
0: or family. uh president monson used to make all sorts of reverend <laughs> I have wept in the night. Yeah, 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 totally. I, I've always just liked him too, because I uh came I was a, a German missionary and he came to our mission because that's was actually where he was from, like that area of Germany. Um and we he spoke to our mission a whole mission and we we're like, Oh, wouldn't that be so cool if he became an apostle? And then like he totally did. So we're all like trying not to like all like cheer during, you know, we're all in the chapel, Yes, <laughs> during general conference and the missionaries trying to be reverent about it. Um Well, and uh, to add to all of that, my dad's a pilot. So I I grew up on airplane analogies. (laughs) uh,
1: Oh, awesome. Yeah, there's a lot of them.
0: Yeah, he he was given a really big task this time, introducing the new uh, Strength of Youth pamphlet. And I thought he did a wonderful job Starting and sort of framing the discussion, he, he did this really interesting thing that I thought uh, was very impactful. And I honestly, at the, when I first heard it, it really touched me. Um, he said, My dear young friends, if the Savior were here right now, what would he say to you? Yeah. And I kind of, well, I think we all kind of moved forward in our seats and we're like, okay, you know what? <laughs> what would he say?
1: <laughs> Tell us. So that was actually the second moment yeah. that caught my attention. He started out his talk almost like a blessing, yeah. if you noticed. For the rising generation, I have a message, especially for you, from our Savior, Jesus Christ. Yeah, mic right. drop. He just declared <laughs> his authority. <laughs> and like, Can you guys just say, you know, this isn't uh, Dieter this speaking. This
0: is from the Lord. Now, this is for the, the rising generation. So he's saying, and then he, he goes on and says, like, if he were here right now, if it were actually him at the, the pulpit right now, what would he say to the youth of the church? And Honestly, gosh, I I thought, well, where where's this going? I wonder. You know, like, yeah, see, see, you, soon. see you soon. Yeah, no joke. Every uh, every day, I feel like you're. Oh, it's closer than you think, perhaps. <laughs> he said he begins by saying, "I believe he would start by expressing his deep love for you," which is great. I, I think any discussion about the the youth that they, they need to know uh, for whether it's coming from uh, talking about their savior or whether it's talking about their, their church leaders or their parents or whatever, we need to begin with our love for them. Now, that any, anytime that we're, we're bringing something forward to them, in, in this case, the, the new uh, youth guidelines or whatever, we need, they need to know that it really does genuinely come from a place of love and concern. And the, I, I think that's, you saying this savior would have set that example. He would say first things first. Uh, he would express his love for all of them.
1: And this was especially impactful to me for several reasons. Um, the first one being whenever I personally give a blessing, whenever I have that, that privilege really it is to serve, to give someone a blessing, put my hands on their head, invariably, the first thing that happens is not what I say, it is what I feel. No matter how well I know this person, no matter how many interactions I've had with him or her before, the first thing that I feel and then feel prompted to express is Heavenly Father's great love for that person. And it really puts the whole rest of the blessing into the proper frame that I get to taste a little bit of the love that Heavenly Father has for them. And many times with what people are going through, I just I, I wish I could take that feeling and just transplant it into their heart because that would solve so much of the problem. If they could See themselves the way that I get a little glimpse to see them as I start the blessing, which is such a a gift from Heavenly Father to me to be able to have that state of mind going in and to experience that. I, I feel like that's what President Uchtdorf is Elder Uchtdorf is trying. Yeah,
0: to and here. It, it's interesting. He says uh, here about the Savior that he might say it with words, so his love expresses love with words, but it would also flow so strongly just from his presence. That it would be unmistakable, reaching deep into your heart, filling your whole soul. And I, I agree. I've also had that experience giving blessings, and sometimes it's the the difficulty there is then taking what you feel and expressing it in
1: words. No, trust me, God really does love you. <laughs> I feel right.
0: it. Do <laughs> uh, you, you wish you could just let it flow, you know, through you directly into them? But it's it, it it's ah, just such a, a neat thing to imagine too. Like just being in his presence, we can feel it even without him saying anything. It just emanates from his presence. Like why wouldn't we want to be close to him for an experience like that?
1: Well, I, mean, I have an answer. I, I know you asked that as a rhetorical question, but I'll, I'll give a real answer here. I feel very bad when I disappoint someone, right? And if You're the best kind of father or grandfather. Grandfather was the big one for me. You know, I didn't care if my dad yelled at me, right? You know, my grandfather never needed to yell at me. Whenever he was disappointed, I could kind of just feel it. And it was, it just, you feel like a worm. You know what I mean? You just feel so ashamed. And that love, it's not like, oh, it's, oh, I'm I'm guilty. It's just that sense of letting them down. Someone that loves you so much.
0: Well, that's actually perfect uh, that you mentioned that, because that's exactly where he goes next. It says, and yet, because we're all weak and imperfect, some concerns might creep into your mind. You might remember mistakes you've made, times you've given into temptation, things you wish you hadn't done or wish you had done better. And he says that the the Savior would give you four different responses to that. He He would tell you four different Things that come from the scriptures, in response to because because he can perceive that as well. But that that's something we know that he can do. Um, number one is to fear not. Number two is to doubt not. Number three is to be of good cheer. Number four is let not your heart be troubled. And he he goes on to say, like I don't think he he would make excuses for your mistakes. He wouldn't minimize them. No, he would ask you to repent to leave your sins behind, to change so he can forgive you. It, it's, it makes me think of the the story of the woman taken in adultery where they, uh, a lot of people accused her and he didn't, he didn't just say, ah, it's okay.
1: Yeah. No biggie. We're good.
0: No biggie. You no, know, he said, no, he said, I, I'm not accused I'm not standing here accusing you. That's what the word Satan means is the accuser. He, he's the one that is is standing there mocking you, accusing you and telling you that you're trash. Um, But the Savior says, go and sin no more. I'm not condemning you. I'm here to save you, not to condemn you.
1: And the Joseph Smith translation adds that she went away believing, became a disciple, and never did do that again, right? She became a devoted disciple of Christ.
0: It's it's such a beautiful thing. And I I think, I don't know that any of us could really stand before him without having some of those feelings creep in, some of those thoughts, because it just... Yeah, I, I think we'd all feel that like that to some extent, but I, I feel that he exactly like Elder Corp was saying that he would reassure us and he, he would say, you know, I already accomplished what I needed to accomplish so that you can repent. And that's exactly, I think that, that's, that's targeted right at our youth too. And so I, I taught in junior high and I could just see among so many of the youth, there's so much guilt and shame going on. There's so much uh, people thinking they're just, they're just not good enough. They're not, yeah. They're they're too far <laughs> into things they shouldn't be, and that. And then this is the the message that, that that the savior is delivering through his servant is that no, like don't don't let your heart be troubled. Don't be afraid. You can repent. And and if you stood in his presence, you wouldn't feel condemnation. You would feel overwhelming love.
1: I often. Say, Satan wins at either extreme. If he convinces us that, oh, we're just overcome by guilt and shame and it's impossible for us to claw our way back, then Satan wins because of our despondency, because of our overfocus on what we've done wrong. On the other hand, Satan wins if we just you know, are blithely unaware or just willfully ignorant of right and wrong, and we just say there is no right wrong, and to each his own. Satan wins either way. What we have to do is we have to, as as he said, he, he's not going to minimize our sins, but he's also not going to condemn us for them. He's going to invite us to repent. Yes, this was bad. Yes, you should not be happy you did that. Yes, there's a way back. And yes, I am that way.
0: And I, I'm, I'm here to help you, too. It's not just like, come to me, come to me when, you, when you figured it Once out. Once you're
1: perfected, Let's, come here and we'll hang out. Yeah.
0: That's right. It's uh, Okay, help me. Let me take that burden from you and carry it with you. Um, I, it, it's just, it's just a beautiful, just even just a thought exercise. Like putting yourself in that that situation and that, and thinking about what, what you would feel and what you would think. Um, and and I, I, he goes even farther after that. Like he talks first, of course, about the uh, the forgiveness and the love, and then he says, uh, "I believe that the Savior Jesus Christ would want you to see, feel, and know that He is your strength." So not only is he the the, the person to come to to uh, overcome your sins, but then he wants you to access his strength. That with his help, there are no limits to what you can accomplish. That your potential is limitless. He would want you to see yourself the way he sees you. And that is very different from the way the world sees you. I, I think that's a... And a very important message these days, um, and and one that's been un, is being underscored by many of the brethren is that we, we you need to see yourself and your identity as a child of God and as a um, a child of the covenant and a disciple of Christ is that that needs to be how you see yourself before anything else. And and he would and Christ would want you to see yourself that way and say when you when you see yourself that way you have access to this limitless power this power for growth and and service and potential that is just incredible and so i i i can see how this is pointing the to the new youth, youth guidelines where it's it's not so much about checking things off a list of do's and don'ts it's a, it's it is wanting to become an actual disciple of Jesus Christ and to have have such a good relationship with him that you, you don't want to do things that would offend the spirit or things that would uh, lead you away from him.
1: Yep. When he talks about seeing yourself the way God sees you, a couple of verses from scripture jump to my mind. I think of Jacob four, where he says, the spirit speaketh of things as they really are and as they really shall be. I think of Moroni seven, where he enjoins us to develop charity. He says, if we develop charity, when he shall appear we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is so we'll be like him and we will see him the way he is he will see us the way we are and we will know how we are because we'll be like him and in first corinthians it says you know right now we see through glass darkly but eventually will come the day when we will know as we are known I don't Mm -hmm. think that God I mean God's obviously optimistic in us he has a much higher estimation often than we do of ourselves and he looks at this world when we get scared and he's like, well, trust me, this is going to work out and it's going to be great. And he's not being Pollyannish. He's not being insincere. He's not being, uh, he's not denying everything that's going on. It's he sees things as they really are. I, I, I like to say the prophets and apostles are not, they don't often engage in hyperbole. So when he, yeah. he says something like saying your potential is limitless, you don't understand the privileges that await you. This is the same elder Uchtdorf that gave the talk about living beneath our privileges. It It's not that we go into a general conference and we get this little spiritual injection and we get this nice prettified view. And then we just like, Oh, it wasn't that nice to kind of consider it through that lens for a little while. Now we have to come back to reality. No, this is the reality. It's the six yeah. months in between where we forget how things really are.
0: Yeah, we're, we're getting a lot of messaging uh, against that. Uh, that's the problem is uh, Especially our, our youth are getting a lot of, uh, from a lot of different sources, things that aren't reality. <laughs>
1: well, the whole idea of reality yeah. is suspect today, right? We're living exactly. in an era of your truth and my truth. There is no shared truth. There is no shared objective moral framework. There is no shared acceptance of what is and is not real. It's your truth, my truth, his truth, our truth. Everything is entirely about perception, it seems. And then here comes along God and says, "No, trust me. There is an objective reality." under all of this and here's what it is. And the sooner you embrace reality, the happier you are and the more wonderful and awesome it all fits together.
0: And the more power you have, like there is, there is no power to be found. There's no growth to be found in living a lie. If you're not, if you're not yoked uh, to to the the actual source of divine power, it's not, you're not going to go anywhere, at least not anywhere that is no, we're good. going. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, um, before he, he gets a little bit actually into this, uh, the actual pamphlet itself, he ends up by kind of a, his preface by saying, So, this is the reason you're on earth to learn, to grow, to progress, and to become everything your Father in heaven has created you for. Uh, to make this possible he sent Jesus Christ to be your savior it is the purpose behind his great plan of happiness his church his priesthood the scriptures all of it, you know, it it's easy to look at, at the church you know at various aspects of the gospel through you know, as individual parts but no it really is all pushing us in one direction this this direction of growth and progress and potential and that's really exciting you know i, I it's um, as a teacher, it is it is so incredible to see uh, your students grow and progress. It's, a, it, it's an incredible feeling, and I'm sure it uh, pleases our Father in Heaven greatly as well to see us live up to our potential, or at least try to uh, grow in the right direction.
1: Yeah. I mean, you and I are both fathers, right? Watching our kids, when they have a good day, oh. we are so freaking proud of them. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Yeah, I've got a you know one year old right now that's just uh, doing new stuff all the time. It's it's a blast.
1: Sometimes I think my kids get a little annoyed. I grab my six I'm like, dude, you've been making such good choice. I'm so incredibly proud of you. And he's like, Okay, yeah, whatever, dad. Like this is normal. Like, no, you don't understand. This is, cool. this is awesome. This fills my heart. <laughs>
0: that's awesome. Uh well and he, he gets a little bit more talking about choice because the the I noticed that like it's the strength of youth. But uh, there's a subtitle now, right? It's A Guide to Making Good Choices.
1: Not a Guide yeah. to Trust Links. So
0: that's right. <laughs> so it, it's it's all about agency. So Alder uh, Uchtdorf says, so he allows you to choose light or darkness, good or evil, joy or misery, eternal life or spiritual death. It sounds like an easy choice, doesn't it? But somehow here on Earth, it seems more complicated than it ought to be. So and uh he actually talks about that you mentioned the scripture about the seeing through a glass darkly, actually, and, and talking about also how um when you earnestly seek truth, eternal, unchanging truth, that kind of truth, uh, your choices become much clearer. Yes, you um you have temptations and trials, bad things still happen, puzzling things, tragic things, but you can manage when you know who you are why you are here and when you trust God. But that's just, and that can be the foundation of our agency and making good choices.
1: <laughs> so when he talks about truth, where do we find truth? And he uses this phrase, eternal, unchanging truth. Mm-hmm. My mind immediately went back to president Oak's talk from April, where he talks about the family proclamation to the world. We affirm that the Family Proclamation, which of course is the biggest controversy in the church right now, defines the kind of family relationships. Or, sorry, we affirm that the Family Proclamation is founded on irrevocable doctrine, eternal truths. When he talks about seeking truth, we may not like the truths that are available to us. But here he is testifying of those eternal, unchanging truths that can only be found in the gospel of Jesus Christ in its fullness. In the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints,
0: yeah, and it makes me also think of President Nelson. His open his remarks um, in this conference, where he talked about actually living the gospel. It's from the outside view; it makes it seem like it's going to be harder, but when you actually live what's true, it makes life easier. Uh, and once you're there, it's it's something that you learn by doing it. <laughs> Uh, as you you can find out whether something is eternally true by incorporating into your life and seeing how it changes you and your character and your relationships, both with your people around you and with your heavenly Father, and your Savior. So yeah, I it's neat how it all all fits together.
1: <laughs> yes, it is. When I when I think about that, I think about everyone who's joined the Church and was not born into it. Sometimes, as those of us who are, as we say, born in the covenant, we like to think, oh, if only I could have grown up inside the church, sown my wild oats, had my fun, then repented and found the gospel. You ask (laughs) anyone who's lived that life. If they could go back and change where they were born, how their life went, they would, almost all of them say, I wish that I had found the church earlier so I could have avoided so much pain and complication and difficulty in my life. I wish I could have had this peace and this assurance and the simplicity and this ease that I was missing growing up.
0: And sometimes it's it's easy to take for granted if you do have it. Like sometimes you don't really fully appreciate it until you uh something happens in your life where it's not there for a season and you realize wow <laughs> contrast is pretty stark people let's uh let's get back on the covenant path. Because uh, it really is. It's it's um sometimes it's steep, but it's it's always a, an easier way to walk than the alternative. And so going in that direction, he then announces this new For the Strength of Youth pamphlet, a guide for making choices. And I, I love how he, he describes it. He says So the, the purpose of For the Strength of Youth is to point you to him, meaning the Savior. It teaches you the eternal truths of his restored gospel, truths about who you are who he is, and what you can accomplish with his strength. It teaches you how to make righteous choices based on those eternal truths. I feel like this is a, a sort of higher law way of looking at things. The the, the famous Joseph Smith quote, you know, I teach them correct principles and they govern themselves. Now, this uh, <laughs> this is not a free-for-all. That's all the, now that things aren't listed uh, in you know specific do's and don'ts, and that, that doesn't just mean okay, hey, we're going to throw out all the old rules. Like we, it is a, it's putting more responsibility and more trust in the youth themselves. And uh, I've actually, have you read through the pamphlet
1: itself? I read through parts of it. Yes.
0: Okay. I, I, I actually was there in the conference center, and they they were handing them out, <laughs> like the, the the actual physical copies. Wait, they still print on paper. Um, yeah, I know. Whoa. It's like, what? Yeah. It's very colorful and, and nice. But um, it, it's set up completely different where it it talks about, it starts with truths, eternal truths, and and then talks about you know, so the, some of the implications of these truths. And then it, it talks about the blessings that will come that are attached to these particular commandments. So it's just, it's a very different way of looking at things but it's also a, a way that that emphasizes um, agency and personal accountability in a way that i think is really refreshing um, and, and that is going to i feel like train uh, our youth in a way that so given these these skills when they're a little bit younger uh, that they're going to be able to carry in through the rest of their lives. It's like you know, you learn to make good choices at that stage of life. Um, it's it's only going to help you for the rest of it. It's going to be a foundation on which you can build a really remarkable life.
1: So, there's a lot of people rejoicing right now, saying, "Oh, finally, they relax the requirements for doing X and Y and Z." Let me I'm getting a tattoo. Let know. me clarify some <laughs> things here. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, I literally, I've heard so many people say that.
1: Everyone who thought that Jesus Christ was coming in the meridian of time to break the shackles of those troublesome rules that he himself gave from Mount Sinai did not understand. Everyone who thought becoming a Christian, converting to Christianity from that form of Judaism at the time, was taking the easier path was wrong. It is substantially mm-hmm. harder to control your thoughts to say, hey, not only should you not commit adultery, you should not even lust. Not only should you not steal, you shouldn't even think bad thoughts towards your neighbor. He basically he raised the standard almost impossibly high. And yet, so many today look at this teddy bear Jesus that delivered them from rules. Now, we think of <laughs> when Preach My Gospel came out. right? I'm a Preach My Gospel missionary. I thought, oh, it's so cool that I don't have to memorize page after page after page after page of robotic sounding discussions, I thought this is going to be so much easier and flexible and more personable. Yay. I was wrong. When you are a missionary, exactly. When you are following preach my gospel, the way you're supposed to follow. when you are seeking revelation on your knees, trying to figure out exactly what they need to hear and to teach by the spirit and to be worthy of that spirit all the time, that is significantly harder than memorizing some rote discussions that you can deliver in your sleep. When they, when they got rid of home teaching and it was replaced with ministry and I was like, Oh cool. Now I don't have this requirement that I have to go and deliver this robotic first presidency message at the end of the month and try and check off all the boxes and report all these numbers. It's now way simplifies me way easier. If it's way easier, we are doing something wrong. And I would say this applies equally to the new, for the strength of youth pamphlet. If you think that the requirements are relaxed and it's now easier to be a youth. You are doing it wrong. He quotes King Benjamin here for a reason. He's telling us, I suppose we could give you all these rules like we used to. What does King Benjamin say? King Benjamin says, I cannot tell you all the things whereby ye may commit sin, for there are diverse ways and means, even so many that I cannot number them. It's almost like he's saying, we can't fit all of the rules that you guys need to follow into a pamphlet. Because that's going to change every single moment, and you need to have much higher standards than anything we could fit in there. You guys need to be receiving revelation when you minister, revelation when you teach missionaries, revelation when you try and follow the gospel. You need to start learning this now. If you, if you think that the things are about to become easier, you are dead wrong. Or if you're starting to treat it as easier, there's a great sifting coming. There's a huge component of people that they say, I'm going to do the bare minimum that's required by the law and skirt by. That may work for taxes. That does not work in kingdom theology. That does not work if you want to actually sit down with Jesus Christ, who went not only the second mile, but every single mile for every single one of us, and then devotes the rest of eternity solely to the purpose of exalting everybody else. Off my soapbox now.
0: <laughs> now that's fantastic. Now, I, I agree. There, it, it, it almost If you look at it, just kind of step back. It really does feel like the, that sort, same sort of shift, but from the law of Moses, which was very prescriptive. Like you know, I, I mean, it got to the point where it was almost uh, just, it, it incredible how uh, how detailed it was. A lot uh, of that was many, stuff that
1: they tacked on. Yeah, to be yeah, fair,
0: yeah, exactly. Yeah, like they took it to you know to the extreme. Um, and and the, that shift between uh, the lists and then what they say, the, the Sermon on the Mount. That this, this feels like that kind of shift is like where I, I, it's not meet that I should command you in all things. It, it, it's the you need to, you need to live so that you can have the spirit as your guide and when you're making a choice, you need to make it with the spirit and decide how does this feel? does this does it, when I do this or when I watch this or when I read this or listen to this, when I'm participating in this activity, does it offend the spirit or does it invite the spirit? And I, it's, in that way, it is simple. It's, uh, it may not be easy to do, but it is a very uh, simple guideline. It's like, is this, is this offending the spirit, what I'm doing right now? Then I need to leave.
1: It's simpler. It's not easier. It is so easy to no. say, oh, President Kibble said we should never watch R rated movies. Right? Then the Four of the Strength Things come out and said, you should not watch anything that offends the spirit. Okay, that means that number one, I have to have the spirit with me. Number two, I have to have the confidence that I know what the spirit is saying and when he is offended. That takes an incredibly high level of spirituality. It's far easier and to just say I don't watch R-rated movies. PG 13 ones are okay. Well, guess what? A lot of people are awful <laughs> garbage. <laughs>
0: yeah, I exactly. Like you can't Yeah, it's, it's not so cut and dry. And unfortunately that the world is pushing the envelope. You know, soon you won't be able to watch pg movies <laughs> well, <laughs> like we laugh now we laugh now
1: so, my, so i mean <laughs> what we've done what we have done is we have outsourced mm-hmm. the setting of standards to the mpaa when it comes to movies right that standard has changed like my wife and i we we saw something on netflix we saw it was highly rated it was pg we turned it on and holy cow wait full frontal nudity what in the world do some research. Guess what? The '80s had completely different standards for what counted as PG. <laughs> That's right. and so now, yeah, the- and So now we're like some of the- but- Oh, sorry.
0: So, so, yeah, some of those old '80s movies. I, I my, my wife and I started showing them to our kids because you know, like I, we were kids of the '80s, and we we're like, oh, this is fun. Oh my gosh, their language is so bad. Like, we tried to turn on Goonies. And I'm like, man, every other word is, you know, is foul language. I mean, we
1: started using the – so IMDb. This is a little pro tip for any listeners. IMDb is a mental oh, guide. You can click on it and see just everything bad about the movie and decide in advance if you're going to watch it or no. And there's so many movies where they come recommended to us from our friends. And we're like, whoa, yeah. hey now. You know, we, we see in the IMDb, yep, yeah, that's not one we're actually going to be watching.
0: Yeah. No, and it, it – it, 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 Applies to music. It applies to the to video games. It applies to things you're doing on your phone. It uh, you know it applies to the kind of conversations you have. Applies to how you treat your body and how you present your body. But like, see, that's that's the thing. It's 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 not the lists. It's it's being um in tune enough to make those those good decisions that are in harmony with what the the savior would want you to do. And that's going to be really hard. I, I know that there, with this, there will be some growing pains <laughs> because there will be people who are like, yeah, yeah, you know, and party time, you know? But um, I, I think for those who are really sincere about it, it's, it, it's a great thing.
1: Yeah. It will be. We were talking earlier about it. My initial reaction to this was, well, there goes the youth, right? Cause it's like, <laughs> I was a Sunday school teacher. I'm like, yeah, I've, I've seen, yeah, I've seen their philosophies and their understanding and it's, And people were saying the same thing about me when I was a youth too. It's very hard to just give them the reins and say, you get to navigate without firm guardrails in place. You get to decide where the median line in the road is and try not to cross into another lane and get pummeled without a white line there necessarily. It's it's going to be dangerous and people are going to get really hard. I've said this for a while. The number one influence for people to leave the gospel of Jesus Christ is other members of the church. That is a hundred percent where I see all of this stuff happening nowadays. It comes from people going to college and seeing practicing. I'm not going to say active. I'm not going to use labels or whatever like that. Practicing, attending church meetings, outward appearance, members of the church who hold vastly lower standards than could ever be considered appropriate. Absolutely. And they say, Hey, this is fine. I'm a practicing member. I do this. You can do this too. Right. And where people start to trust the standards set by others, even like I said, practicing members of the church more than the actual impressions of the spirit. And this, this highlights, it says, okay, guess what? You're on your own in a sense. And that is a tremendous responsibility. I really hope the youth are ready for it. I pray that they're ready for it.
0: Well, and I I think that are, as the, the parents of youth, I actually have a, a teenage son myself, this is also a responsibility for us to make sure that they understand these principles, and that they are we're as clear as possible about what what this means, and uh, that we're also giving them a good example of <laughs> you know if something needs to be turned off, that we turn it off, you know, like that, that of making these good choices. Uh, if we're we're somewhere we shouldn't be, that you know getting out and, and letting our kids see us making those choices, even when it's it's difficult or unpopular. Uh, not something that are inconvenient even.
1: I wonder if that's part of it. I wonder if parents just too often, I hate to reuse this word outsource, but outsource their parental responsibility to set standards and just said, for the strength of youth says no art of movies, don't put your dress line right here. And so just follow that. We're good. That's the standards for our home and didn't actually do the work to set their own standards. I wonder if part of that is nudging parents into the role of saying, take responsibility in your own homes.
0: Cause yeah, I think because we're we're gonna need to we're gonna need to be more involved in their lives. If if the world is is shouting at them, you know, uh, other messages, we're gonna need to be even an even bigger influence in their lives for good. Cause uh, it's it's not getting better. Nope. I I am encouraged by this. And if this this is like you said, coming from, uh through Elder Ockdorff from the Lord, he is extending this uh, invitation to our youth. Uh, we we know that uh, these the youth were held in reserve for the last days because of their their goodness and their strength. Their, that he, he has faith in them as well. That, that they can they can do this.
1: Training wheels so are off. I'm, Step it up.
0: That's right. <laughs> and so I, I'm excited to, to talk to, to my own son about this and, uh, and making good choices. He's going to, he's in ninth grade now. And you know that, uh, who things uh, only get more complicated <laughs> uh, for, from this time. I, I just want to kind of, I think, close out our conversation by highlighting kind of how he, Elder Uchtdorf, uh kind of ties this all together. He says important temporal and spiritual choices should not only be based on personal experience or what is convenient or popular. The Lord is not saying, do whatever you want. He is saying let God prevail. That's something that President Nelson has been saying quite a bit. He is saying come follow me. He is saying live a a holier, higher, more mature way. He is saying keep my commandments. So this is the message that we're supposed to get, not do whatever you want. <laughs> Those are beautiful things. I mean, what wonderful invitations. Yeah. And how wonderful, if you are aware of these invitations, that you are aware of these invitations. There are so many people in this world who aren't. If you are aware of that invitation of that outstretched hand, then take it.
1: And I love how he concludes. He started by stating his authority, almost in a way that you would think he was giving a blessing. And then right here at the end, he actually does give an apostolic blessing. This is actually The first, to my knowledge, this is the first time I can remember Elder Uchtdorf himself giving an apostolic blessing. others
0: Others have, but yeah, I can't remember Uchtdorf.
1: Yeah, he says, as an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, I leave you my heartfelt blessing. Right? There it is. Not only is there a new standard, not only is there a higher and holier way that we need to step up to, but we are given a priesthood blessing by the authority of the apostleship of Jesus Christ to accomplish it. It's a big deal. I love it.
0: Yeah, so we have our marching orders. I think we, as as parents and uh, those who interact with youth, have a lot to do, and of course, uh, the the youth have a lot to do. But I, I, I see this as an exciting thing. Uh, the it's hastening the work. I I think we. This is what we need to do to 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 be that covenant people who are ready to receive the Lord. That that's. The prophet literally said, "I invite you to be that covenant people who is ready to receive Him." So that's that is one heck of an invitation, and not one that has been extended to any other dispensation. This invitation to be the people uh, that are ready for the second coming.
1: Prophets aren't prone to hyperbole.
0: No, no. So uh, I I think it's really exciting, and if, if we can look in that light, then. Yeah, I I think it's a joyful thing that we can um, say that this this is yet another sign of the times in a a positive way.
1: Thanks for listening to another episode of the Conference Talk Podcast. This episode, we discussed Elder Uchtdorf's address, Jesus Christ is the Strength of Youth.
0: If you enjoyed this episode, give us a five-star rating. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and everywhere you get your podcasts. You can find links to all our podcast platforms on our website, conferencetalk.org.
1: Conferencetalk.org is also where you can follow us on social media, drop us a comment, check out the show notes, find the resources we mentioned in this episode, and learn more about us, your hosts.
0: If you want to follow me, Michael Young, you can find me at authormichaelyoung.com.
1: And you can find me, Matthew Watkins, at powerinthebook.com.
0: But while we always appreciate new followers, it's better to follow the prophets and the apostles themselves.
1: Yep. Although we love speaking about the church and our leaders, we do not speak for them. Everything said on this podcast represents our own personal opinions.
0: Join us next week for some more personal opinions. Next week on the Conference Talk Podcast.